Welcome to Rethink Reality with Don Allen III, your beacon at the crossroads of art and technology. We're charting emerging futures and gleaning wisdom from industry masters. Whether you're a creative riding the XR wave, an AI enthusiast, or a digital age explorer seeking balance, this podcast is your compass. Let's dive in, thrive, and together, Rethink Reality. Reality. Welcome back to Rethink Reality with me, your host, Don Allen III. We're here at the nexus of art and technology, diving deep into a brave new world of the digital age and reimagining what reality can be. Today, we're thrilled to have an extraordinary guest who straddles these realms with phenomenal creativity and insight. She's a pioneering force in the augmented reality and AI artistry space, constantly pushing boundaries and reshaping our perceptions of reality through her mind-bending creations, which you gotta see, with an astounding 220 billion views on her creative work, she's literally touching lives across the globe, transforming how we interact with the world, and inspiring a new generation of artists and technologists. She's a valued partner with tech giants like Meta, Snapchat, and TikTok, charting the course of the future through her innovative campaigns. She's been featured on popular BBC show Glow Up, and has been covered by prestigious publications like Vice and Business Insider, She's literally making waves across many different platforms and media. Our guest today is a close personal friend of mine and an inspiring figure for all of us that are at the intersection of art and technology. So humans, it's my pleasure to welcome you onto the stage, supremely talented AR and AI artist, Paige Piskin. Welcome. Hello. Thank you so much, Don. That was the sweetest, nicest intro ever. (laughs) Thank you so much. I'm so happy to be here and uh, I love everything you're doing and everything you do is so inspiring. So it's such an honor to be here with you. Let's just dive right in. I want to kind of start off from the category of art and technology. You've been merging your likeness lately with AI generated images and you create these really surreal pieces where you're essentially traveling. I put that in air quotes, like you're traveling to different universes. Can you share a little bit more about this process and your philosophy behind it and how that changes or adjusts your perception of Yeah, so I obviously love AI and I have so much fun creating AI artwork with the tools we have. My favorite is Midjourney. And so I started messing around, just trying out different prompts on Midjourney to get inspiration filters to come up with different like accessories and makeup looks. And then one day I started making these more dramatic scenes and I saw you post and a creator named Kim. Both of you guys had posted, I believe, about, I guess it was like how to put yourself into the Midjourney. And so you had different strategies for using like photos of yourself and like creating like different links and putting them into those prompts. And Kim had this um, tool called Insight. So I kind of just like mixed those together and started trying to use photos of me to generate like similar people to me in different scenes. And I thought that was really fun because it did feel like looking at myself in like a parallel universe or in a different time period. And then I just started to see like, how could I get, take this a little further? And using those tools like Insight Face that Kim had shared, it was really cool to be able to really put your face into those scenes. And if you, you can get to, get the character to look pretty close to you, you could even bring friends in it and make these scenes with like your friends or your family. And it really feels like you're looking into another world. So that's been really exciting. Gosh, I, I've seen so many of your pieces and I feel like you're using AI right now to explore the multiverse. That's like visually what it looks like. My personal favorite, you have like this noir version of you in this different realm. You have some like fantasy landscapes. Can you describe some of these spaces for folks who aren't seeing it yet, but they're going to see it because they're going to be like, what? go to these different realities. So what are some of your favorite images? If you could describe them, that would be awesome. I did a series from like a 1980s fantasy movie, that type of look. And I just prompted like a bunch of um, different aesthetic like features of like a movie in the 1980s, including like inspired by like Jim Henson and similarities to like Labyrinth and Never Ending Story. And I came up with like a title for it, like The Last Dragon and the Goblin Queen, I think is what it was. And it just sounded so 80s. And so I think that like Mid Journey knew exactly what I wanted because it generated these really dramatic scenes with dragons and Muppets and crazy looking creatures. And yeah, so that's one of my favorite worlds. And like you just keep diving into it, like making different scenes from that same prompt. So I would throw other people in it or make a love interest or create like baby dragons and stuff. And it would just continue to like, I guess, iterate on that theme. And so that one was my, like, I think the most fun one that I created. Hey, they're, they're, they look so fantastical and they're so inspiring. Like every time I see a new one that you make, I'm like, oh my God, 
I want to go there. Like, I want to go to that reality. You have these giant floral dresses in one of them and the rooms have flowers. What is that? Yeah. So that one, I just was like, you know, it'd be kind of cool to do something that looks kind of like Sleeping Beauty and American Beauty. That cover of that movie where she's like, I think it was a cover where there's a scene where there's one of the characters laying like a bed of roses. And I thought that that would be like a really pretty scene. So I just kind of like prompted like a princess wearing like a ball gown laying in like a bed of flowers in a room covered in vines and roses. And you just kind of like work through the scene, like kind of like like starting with like the person that you want in the scene. Then I go into like the outfit and then I go into like the actual scene itself that I want the person in. And then I kind of like sometimes I'll throw in things like what camera type and if it's for a movie and if it's like a fantasy film, sometimes that helps so that it doesn't go too realistic like a stock photo. It'll like make it like it's something like a photo, but from a fantasy film. So it it allows itself to get a little bit more fantasy like compared to being like so like exact realistic. So it created these very like fantasy like princess scenes where the rooms are like covered in flowers like up the walls. So that was such a cool theme. And a lot of people asked for that like some advice to get that kind of prompt. And yeah, that was like, that's a really cool one because it really lets you see what it's like to see yourself in like this kind of like fantasy dream-like princess-like uh, world. <laughs> it looks so exciting. And again, you know, there's, there's people that may, may, maybe don't have a tech space. They don't know about AI. So you're using a tool called MidJourney. You can access that online and it, it's a channel that runs in Discord. How did you learn how to start using this tool MidJourney to essentially generate these new worlds for you to explore characters and how did you how do you go about learning mid journey yeah so i think i actually I, I feel like i learned most things from you like from what you share i probably learned how to use mid journey from you i'm guessing because it was i know it's a little confusing at first to get into discord if you never used it before and then getting into mid journey and joining and learning where you're supposed to post and posting in those channels and now i've learned like how to make my own server and stuff so that i can have more private like posting and stuff like that but I learned, I think, from people like you online who are sharing tutorials. And then I've just kind of like been studying how to like get my prompts to deliver what I want just by how I like place the words in, in the delivery. Like I try to like tell people when I'm explaining like how I do these prompts is like I'm speaking to this computer in a way that it understands and delivers results. And it's not as conversational as with a person. So like you need to be like very direct. And like you I think you show me like use commas and separate different set sections so that it doesn't get like confused. So that way, like, you know, you're describing the person as like blonde woman, like myself, I'll do like, like somewhat medium blonde haired woman in 30s age group, like, like stuff like that. And then I kind of separate, then it's like what I'm wearing. And I describe the dress like exactly for the princess one. It's like a corset dress with puffy sleeves and ball gown, you know, stuff like that. So like you just kind of like work through it, the colors, the textures and stuff. But yeah, that's the best thing I've learned about Midjourney is just like, you just want to keep playing with prompts and kind of like keep working through it and see where you come up with like the perfect formula for each prompt. Thank you so much. Yeah, your wisdom on that is so is so helpful helpful for people to hear because it gives them context. Like you know, it's about wordsmithing and kind of reworking and even just that idea of like breaking up your your prompts into commas by section, starting off with the look, then the outfit, then the environment, then the lighting. You're kind of stacking them all up. I want to transition a little bit and talk about you know I've noticed you. You've worked with a lot of major corporations like Meta, Snapchat, and TikTok. And I was wondering if you can discuss how do these partnerships, how have these partnerships influenced your creative process and your views on technological process as a whole? So it's been amazing to have these opportunities to work with Snapchat, TikTok, Meta. It all started like a few years ago when I got involved in, I guess I got invited to be in the partner program for Spark, the SPN where there's a bunch of developers and there are other, you know, just other creators in this like micro community where you work with Meta, you meet people on the team, and then you're like troubleshooting, you're beta testing new features. You have occasionally you might get a brief for a potential new project and stuff like that. So it's a really cool experience just working with them and kind of like, I feel like my favorite part of being like a beta tester in those different types of companies is just being able to try out new features and ask questions to the team directly and also connecting with creators in the community. Like, each of those different apps has like its own, you know, partner network and then a, a set of like creators and stuff. So there's these amazing friendships that you get to make from these communities. So that for me is really cool. But it's been an amazing experience getting to work with such big companies like that, like and getting to connect with people on, on their teams that are super passionate about augmented reality and AI. Like they seem to be very passionate about like just 
continuing to like innovate in th- inside these programs, add new features, and also like s- find out what do we need and what are we looking for as creators. So it's really cool to be able to have that direct connection. It's really impressive. And, you know, having that dir- direct connection can totally help with your vision. So would you say your creative process is different when designing and working on experiences for those platforms, for those teams? Is it different than what you would do for your personal projects? So how would it, how does that relationship affect your workflow? I feel that like being part of these different networks or I don't know if it's called networks, but partner programs helps inspire me to go outside the box and experiment with new technologies because normally I like to create just, I'll come up with a different character look or a makeup look and I just create there. But being part of these other, these programs, I see new features coming out and I get more interested in trying to do new things, like things that I normally wouldn't try. So like when they'll announce a brand new feature, like let's say like collision or something inside Effect House or something like that. Or even like, what is it called? I forget. I don't know. But some of these new features that come out in these programs, whenever I see a new feature, I'll think about maybe I'll try out. And then I get all kinds of new ideas. So it inspires me a lot. Yeah. So I feel like it's definitely helped in my creative process because I might have just stayed playing it safe. Like if I wasn't really like in these communities as well as being in discords with other creators just in general, like that stuff always helps me like go outside the box and you get to see what other people are creating and then you get inspired like, you know, sometimes I'll see somebody creating like a world effect and I normally create just face effects, but seeing the different uses of like world effects and different types of effects you could create, it inspires me to start looking into doing that too. So yeah, I feel like it's so helpful for our creative uh, journey. So it seems like it lets you explore and expand different ways that you would normally create maybe mostly in the, in the domains of makeup and characters. But then when these different partnership programs introduce new tools, you're like, oh my God, maybe I'll try making a world-facing experience where I place the AR out there in the world. Or maybe I'll try something with collisions and have that physics interaction. That's super fun. Yeah. Is it friendly for folks to apply to be in the partnership programs? Like if they want to get into TikTok Effect House, they want to get into the Snap Lens Network, they want to get into the MetaSpark partnership program. Is there a streamlined way that people can get noticed and get seen in those spaces? Yeah, definitely. I feel that like for me, at least what how, what happened for me or what helped me was just creating a lot on the platform and just like, you know, checking out new features and connecting with other people, the community and sharing tutorials or sharing uh, my different work as, as I was creating it. And then from there, having the opportunity to join as a partner. So I definitely think like any creators that are out there that want to become parts of these different partner programs, the best thing is really just to keep creating and putting your work out there and being where those people from those companies are, like in their discords or in their Facebook groups and stuff like that. Thank you so much, Paige. That's so helpful. So yeah, can you gonna transition from art and technology and move into another domain around career? So, you know, you've seen remarkable success online with billions and billions and billions of views of your creative work. And so I'm wondering if you could share your journey on reaching a point in your career where you can actually hit that milestone. You know, what milestones did you have to get to beforehand before you were able to reach the billions of people through your creative work? Oh, that's such a good question. You know, it's really interesting when you look back at these different processes and I've tried to do it on in different ways on all three platforms, trying to just kind of like, I guess from the beginning, my strategy was just like, I'm just going to create what I like. I'm going to create for people like me that like different characters and different makeup looks and like assume that there's a, like a niche out there of people that like transforming themselves into different cosplay looks or like trying out more dramatic makeup looks. So I created for that people that like that kind of stuff. And so once I started to build like a small audience of just like people that are friends and even like friends of their friends, I started to notice that I was finding those people much more. So it was like, it started out just being like that, like friends, then friends of friends, and then friends of their friends. And then I started to just get more and more people every day. It just continued to grow exponentially. And so my strategy is always just kind of like creating characters that I like in that kind of like fantasy genre. You could probably see on my pages, I love things like Bratz dolls and aliens and like princess characters and cartoon characters and really like beautiful makeup looks inspired by different celebrities. Stuff like that seems to just be very like, I guess, relatable. A lot of people might like those celebrities or those looks. And so once I start creating stuff like that or when other people, if they start creating stuff like that, it gets you know, awareness because people can find your stuff pretty easily if they are interested in those kind of characters too. So like if you're creating something for a common character that people like, there's a like a like 
you know, that people are going to see that filter and oh, say, oh, okay, that's that's the Ariel from the Little Mermaid filter, or that's the Cinderella makeup filter or something like that. I know Cinderella, and then they're going to try that filter on because they recognize the character. So I feel like that's like a very like great way to kind of like get yourself out there. And then you just start, I guess you just continue going on that path. And then once people start requesting things and you start taking those requests, I think you'll notice that like you'll see a lot of growth after that. Because if one person or two people start requesting something, then there's way more people that are going to be interested in that just beyond those two people. So, for example, like I think last year somebody recommended or requested that I make like the Bride of Chucky, like Tiffany filter on TikTok. And she's (laughs) It's such like a random character. I was like, wow, that movie from like, I don't know when it was, the 80s or something. I was like thinking, maybe, I don't know if anybody's going to like this, like, but I'll do it because she had really cute makeup. And so I went and I made this makeup filter and it was like one of my most popular ones. It got like five, I think it's got like five million videos or something with it. So like it, it did really well. Like, so just with a few people asking for it and you listen, all of a sudden it's just like, wow, there's an audience for this. <laughs> Wow. So what I'm hearing, like just kind of echo is that you start off building something that you just enjoy. That's just that you would want value, that you would be valuable to you. And then if it starts to appeal to friends, you have that, you always have like your first tribe. And then if it starts to appealing to that tribe, that appeals to the bigger tribe and that appeals to the bigger. And then eventually people start requesting things and then you start tuning into you know, people's requests. So that's so fun. Exactly. And I know that you enjoy this stuff. So like, I think I feel like when I see you working in this space, you don't actually have to stress out too much by creating. It's kind of like you would be creating by default anyway. Is that is that true? Yes. Yeah. Like the first year that I was making filters on Instagram, I didn't take any clients. I just was having fun just for myself. And I almost wasn't going to ever take clients. I was just going to continue doing everything just for myself as like just for my portfolio and just for fun. But you know, eventually I was like, you know, maybe I should turn this into like work because, like, you know, it seems like a good time to do it. But yeah, like I would just I definitely create by default. Like I, I find it like really fun when I just have the time. Like I have like open schedule where I could just like create for myself. Like it's nice to just take like a few weeks and just create different characters that I've been like wanting to create and almost put work aside and just create personal projects. Like that's very fun. Yeah, I love your I love your workflow. I mean, it feels like it feels like a very future proofing kind of way to work because if you're if you're building something that's just passionate and fun, then it's it's not like it's it's not something you dread. You know, other people they might dread what they do. So, question for you on kind of just like on your workflow, when is one of your augmented reality filters done? When does it? When does it? How do you know it's completed? And then you're hitting publish, you're submitting it. When do you know that's it? I've I've done I've designed this avatar filter. I've designed this Bratz filter. I've designed it. It's done. Send. Such a good question. I get asked that a lot, actually, because I feel like a lot of us like struggle maybe with like, like trying to like get it perfect or like we have like an idea in our head of what we want it to look and maybe like it's it can be sometimes hard. But with mine, I kind of like I always publish it like a little imperfect, like I'll allow it to just be like if I've spent like a few days on it, that's usually it for me. And I just like upload as is. And even if there's some errors, I'll I can go back and edit it after. But for me, it's always like just trying to get it out in the timing of when I'm first excited about the idea. So like I just work really hard, like and really fast. I'll work like for like like a full day, like 16 hours on a filter. And the next day I'll put in like that same amount of time and I'm just like determined to get it out. And then I try to get it uploaded as fast as I can. So, yeah. So for me, it's more about just like getting it out as soon as like I can. (laughs) I want to switch gears a little bit here. And thank you so much for like all your wisdom you're sharing so far. I feel like. People are going to hear this and be like, oh, my God, that's so cool. So another thing I think is super cool that you did recently is I think you were on the BBC show Glow Up. And I was just going to ask, you know, if you could tell us a little bit about what that experience was like to be on a show for your work. And then how has this exposure shaped your career now? Oh, such a good question again. <laughs> so that's really cool. Yeah. Being a guest judge on Glow Up was an amazing experience. I was like, I did not expect it. And I got offered the opportunity and I just jumped on it, even though I'm very shy being on camera, even like doing interviews like this, I get very shy. But I figured I you have to take leaps and you have to do things that make you uncomfortable. You can't say it all to cool opportunities when it comes your way. So I was like, all right, I'm doing it. I'm so excited. So 
I went and it was an amazing experience being on that show and working with their team and the judges and making meeting the makeup artists who are so talented and creative. It was an amazing experience just to see like how people create so fast in the makeup world. Like they move very quickly, like coming from concept to like building it and it all happens very fast. So it's amazing to see how they've like their process of how they come up with their creative concepts and then how they start like mapping out their looks and then how they build them. It was really, really inspiring. So that experience was amazing. And since then, I've had like a lot of work opportunities because of it. I've gotten invited to speak at different events. I got to work with like an amazing musicians like Carol G, who said her team said that she saw me on the show Glow Up and it was seeing me on the show that made them reach out to want to work together on a filter. And so that was crazy all because of that show. And then they invited me to an event in Miami for her album release party. And me and my partner went out and we went to this event and Carol G came right up to me and she was like, I saw you on Glow Up and I wanted to work with you. And I was like, oh my God, she said it. Like, it was so cool. Like, she was so nice and so sweet. So like, that would have never, I don't think that that may have not happened if it wasn't for that show. So it's a really cool experience and it definitely like changed like the path of my life. I'm so excited you took the opportunity and stepped out of your comfort zone to, you know, be on camera and to kind of share because the opportunities have just evolved. And I've been seeing you do a lot more speaking engagements and I'm just like, yes, go ahead. Like that. <laughs> and so on that note of speaking, I would say like, you know, your path. You see, we talk about our paths, you know, when we think about reality and what path we were on 10 years ago versus what we're on today. So I guess kind of looking out, what do you hope to see on your path in the future? There's so many exciting things to look forward to. I'm just hoping to continue to, or I definitely plan to continue creating in this space. I'm excited for new features coming out on all the platforms. I just, I see myself getting more into creating world effects, especially with glasses and VR experiences. Like I'm looking to just kind of like create more immersive experiences. And I'm looking forward to having more tools to make that process faster. Like all these different AI development tools. Like I think, is it Unity that's coming out with like AI tools? I think, right? So yeah, stuff like that I'm really excited about so that the process can become even faster so that we could build worlds quickly and build games and stuff like, you know, I'm just excited about stuff like that. So I'm really looking forward to all of that new immersive and AI tech. Oh, I like this. So actually kind of like nice little segue there would be looking back into the future again, given your extensive you know experience and unique perspective in XR, what are your predictions for the future of this space? For example, how do you see reality evolving in the next five and 10 years? Oh, it's so exciting. So if I had to like predict or if I had to wish in a way for certain things, I'm really excited about air glasses and headsets with mixed reality. I think that it just adds a whole new dimension to our world and makes us kind of like feel like kids again, where we have this imagination that we're able to allow to flourish because everything comes possible. And so like when you were a child, you'd play with like a dollhouse or a train set and you could imagine like that that was real. And like you'd have all these stories between your characters together and different scenarios. And like that was where your imagination lived. And then as you get older, we stop playing with that stuff as much. Maybe we get into video games, but having this new thing that kind of brings like video games and like, like, I guess like invisible stuff into our reality is just like super exciting. So I'm excited about that. Just being able to have like different objects around my house that are augmented reality and have games that I could play like you've created like concepts like where you're going running and you have like an assistant that's giving you like a guidance or like you're playing a game while you're running you know stuff like that is so exciting to me and I'm also just excited about AI merging with this XR these like visual experiences being able to like create experiences that take us to different time periods you know or like bring us to a cyberpunk world but it's all done in real time with AI and like while I love creating the characters and stuff I feel like that for changing our whole experience of our world around us from like our houses to our cars and seeing them in all different ways. I think that'll just like make us all just have so much fun. Like every day it'll be like, which reality I want to be in today? 1920s or like 2050 or 2000, like, I don't know, 2200 AD. Like, you know, it's just super cool. I just wanted to get your, your hot take on Apple Vision Pro. What's your hot take on that? Oh, I was really excited to see it. I was like, I think I actually was teary-eyed, like a real like super nerd. I was like almost crying a little bit because I was like, this is so exciting just to see like Apple like going into the headset world and talking about mixed reality, talking about spatial audio. Like it was just so cool to hear it come from them. 
that was an amazing video presentation for it. And I love seeing the quality of like their displays that they were showing and the, the like just the vision for gaming and stuff in that space was like really exciting. So I'm just excited to see a company like Apple getting into it. It just says that this is where the future is going because maybe it starts with a headset, but eventually it's going to be like glasses, you know, or it's just going to be like a whole like suite of different types of like mixed reality tools. Have you seen any of their developer talks on how to develop for the Apple Vision Pro? No, not yet. But have you seen any yet? Yeah, there's a, they have a whole, there's a website, Apple developers website, and they have people who've worked on it for the last five years are sharing detailed breakdowns on how to build specific types of applications for the headset. It's, it's blowing my mind page, just seeing, you know, again, like what you said, I was teary eyed as well. Like looking at that announcement, I'm like, oh my goodness, they're helping reshape what reality is going to be at a very different scale. And just seeing that was exciting, but I was just going to share this one. They have all these accessibility features that they didn't mention at all during their talk that they've already built into the headset. You can actually operate it without fingers. What? Like, like navigate the games. They even have a tool where someone who's blind can use it. Oh my gosh. How? That's crazy. It's, it speaks. So you can, so they showed a setting. You can basically, it sees for you and it can convert what it's seeing into language that it lets you hear. So oh my God. I can wear the headset and it can say, you know, window, whiteboard, wall, person, person, wall. And then it can give you, it, imagine hearing that if you're blind and being able to, you know, use these tools that even help you experience other realities that maybe in your reality, there's no vision, but that helps you actually get some vision into your reality. And I just was mind blown by that. Like, oh my God, the accessibility will be, you know, so exciting. Yeah, that sounds amazing. Oh my God, that's so exciting. And so, yeah, but side note, I was going to ask kind of just about lifestyle. So I know that you are able to do a lot of things all the time. I feel like you're, you're kind of like nonstop going. So I want to ask kind of a question about how do you balance stress and kind of, you know, and, and manage well-being while doing all of the creative work that you're doing? I think like, like you said, balance is like a really important thing. Like, it's funny, like, you know, just the word balance is like everything there. So like, you have to have like, I feel like for me, at least like I have to have like a nice balance of exercising and going for walks, listening to music, being out in nature. And then I create for myself purely out of passion, nothing for clients. And then that's like where I, you know, come up with creative ideas and like, just get to try out different things that I want to try or learn something new. Then when I create for my clients, it's like it's a different kind of experience. And it's like it's also really cool because there's also new things I get to learn in those processes as well. Sometimes like I client projects really get me to go out of the box and learn something like much more challenging. And then that helps me with my other creative work as well. Every time I'm learning, I'm growing. So if I'm learning for personal projects or I'm learning for a client project, I'm improving myself every day. So that's like a very helpful part of adding balance into my life, too, because I'm like I'm learning as part of my creative and part of my client work. And then just like, I feel traveling is really good for me. Like I travel a lot just to change my scenery and just like keep a new perspective and try new things and experience different cultures. I've been traveling as like a digital nomad for the past 12 years now. And so it's, yeah, it's been like a really long time. I didn't know that. I only knew part of that. Wait, 12 years of being a digital nomad. First off, digital nomad, what does that mean? Yes. So Digital Nomad is a person who works remotely on their computer and just travels with their computer and is able to work in all different areas and live at different homes, hotels, Airbnbs and stuff. And you're just basically you and your laptop and you just your office is remote. So I'm like a remote worker, but freelancer. And so I just have always called myself a digital nomad. And me and my partner have been traveling for actually, I think it's almost 13 years now as we started traveling in like 2010. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. Wow. So do you mind if I ask a bunch of questions about this? Because I feel like... Yeah, no, good. Because like, on a personal note, I feel like this is another way of rethinking reality. People might hear like different success journeys. They're like, oh, I have to work at a physical office with a physical schedule in order to have success. But this is a different reality. So in this reality, you can also be nomadic in your location, your office. So, um, okay, bills how do you manage bills like is it just travel bills do you have to do renters insurance like so many questions come to mind like how do you be nomadic 
Yeah. So it started out as just something that we were doing just like while we were working and we didn't want to get an apartment in New York because it was very pricey in Manhattan and getting jobs and stuff. It just I just didn't really feel like I really fit into like working in like an office setting. It's just not really for me. So I always have been working off my computer, but the traveling part was just really as an alternative to getting like an expensive apartment. It just was like, maybe we'll just start traveling and go travel during off seasons to different locations. So going to live in Florida in the summer where you can get like a really inexpensive summer rental, even though it's hot there, but it's not like super hot and it's actually like pretty nice. So that's how we started. We spent like four months in Florida. And then from there, we started traveling Europe and going to different other, just all different other countries and visiting different states. And we just traveled in off seasons. And so that became like kind of like our lifestyle in terms of like how we manage our billing and insurance. It's really important to get things like traveler's insurance because you make sure you're protected in like other countries when you're traveling and in places your normal insurance might not cover you. So that kind of thing helps. And then doing bills, everything is like digital. We don't get anything sent in the mail. There are some things I think that might still get in the mail, but like usually my parents will keep an eye out for stuff like that for me. So that way, like instead of having it sit and get sent back, my parents will get that mail for me when I'm traveling. And so then if it's something really important, they get it. And oh, everything else, like pretty much every single type of bill can be like digital. So I get all that stuff digitally and I manage all my like accounting on like spreadsheets and things like that. So it's just great. It's really, it's really fun. And it's a, it's a cool way of life. I love that life. And it's very inspiring. And it's really something that me and my, my wife, Keenan, that, you know, we would love to do more of them. So yeah, that's great, great wisdom. The other question I was going to ask around the you know, nomadic lifestyle is family. I think before we talked about it, and I, I think you and your partner had a really cool way for, for making space for family. If you feel comfortable sharing that, I'd love to hear it. And I think our, our listeners would love to know as well. Yeah, we are like super close to our families and we love them very much. And so we try to visit family as much as possible. So I'd say like even in the last like 13 years or 12 years of us traveling, we come home like pretty much every month or every other month for like a week or two weeks. And we'll stay and go around, visit family, like house to house and stuff. And then we get our time in with them. We go, we watch movies together. We have dinners together and stuff. We go on walks. We help my dad in the garden. Like we try to make that time as like connected as possible so that we really get like quality time. And then we'll travel. And, and you know, so it's like a really good balance where we're traveling and we're we get to connect with them on stuff like Zoom or FaceTime, phone calls. And then when we're home, we spend like really good quality time with everybody. And it's just, it's a really nice balance. We visit for every holiday. We make sure we're home for like pretty much every birthday. <laughs> yeah. So it's been, it's been cool. That's so, that's super brilliant. And thank you so much for sharing. I, I, I wanted to kind of, you know, encourage people to think about, you know, if you're going to be nomadic in lifestyle, there's still space for family. We have incredible role models like Paige to listen into. Kind of backtrack a little bit. You mentioned how one of the ways you maintain your well-being is like listening to music. Could you share some of the music you listen to? Like, do you have particular artists? Is there a playlist? Do you have a playlist that you've made so that if people wanted to get into Paige's headspace, they could listen to your curated playlist that you use to get into the focus? Yeah, what kind of music you listen to? And do you have a playlist? Yes, I have so many playlists. I have like, I don't know if I have too many personalities or something, but like I have like a playlist for every mood. Like I have like a playlist for like when I'm just chilling and I'm just working and I'm in like a very like chill mood. That's got like, I guess I would say it's like electronic, like chill vibes, like a little bit of like chill R&B. And then I have like a playlist for like emo music when I get like that, like 2000s era emo mood. I'll play like brand new and like Chiodos and like all those people from like and and like what's the name like the bring me to the horizon like all those kind of people from that era I listen to that kind of music sometimes and then I also like just like really like hardcore electronic music and so like all those depending on what mood I'm in like definitely help me create oh my goodness I love that thanks so much for sharing. <laughs> I was just curious do you ever listen to lo-fi is that part of your chill the chill vibes yeah I would I totally forgot like that name but yes like the chill kind of vibe is like a mix of like lo-fi like ambient like relaxed kind of music and like soft electronic music but it's definitely like a lo-fi undertone all those kind of songs do you listen to that stuff too oh big time i listen to that lo-fi girl she's got like the have you seen that lo-fi girl on youtube it's a playlist i'm not sure they're one of the first live youtube channels like one of the early ones that, that basically said i'm gonna do a non-stop live stream you know? and well, it's, it's still been running but yeah it's like just wearing a green sweater she's got a cat sitting on her desk and oh, yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. That's the lo-fi girl. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes, I was thinking that, but I wasn't sure. Yeah, that's I've seen it before. 
Speaking of which, someone just took that illustration and had Stable Diffusion 5.1 redo it and as like a live action piece. It looks so, it looks insane, Paige. You got to check it out. They, because you you got the image here. It's like the anime style, right? Like, you know, that look of that dot and the cat's wagging its tail and there's like a window and it's nighttime. They took that, I don't know what they, I think they might've used control net. So it actually redid the whole piece, but kept everything in the correct spot. So it's like the same, you could, you could flicker between the two images and things are in the same same pixel space, but just one's like a photorealistic version of the person, the cat and the room. And the other one is the illustrated anime style. And it looks, it looks incredible. Oh my God. I have to check that out. That sounds so cool. Cause like that, that piece is so like aesthetic looking and like peaceful. Like it's cool to see like it as different style or see it like real life. It's so cool. I think it's worth it. It's going to kind of mention too, we, we, we touched on AI a little bit, at least the generative art bit. And also you talked about, you know, merging AR and AI together. I was going to ask, have you looked at anything like, have you looked at that company, Humane? Have you heard of that company, Humane? No, I haven't. Okay, sweet. I would encourage you to take a look at them. I saw the the, the CEO of it. He just did a, a TED a TED talk and he shared a new piece of hardware they're making. This guy is the one that was in charge of the UI for iOS. He's the one that the reason why the Apple has that minimal, simple feel across all their devices. This is that guy. He, he and his wife left Apple to start a company called Humane. And he just did a TED talk on what they're building. And they want to, they wanted to show a tool that basically blends AI with your everyday life and interactions. And so they build this little pin that you would wear almost like in your pocket. And it has a camera and a microphone and a projector. And it looks out and sees the world. It hears the world. And when you want to see a screen, you put your hand up and it just proje it projects the screen onto your hand. That is oh, so yes. And so in his TED in his TED conference, he demoed the tool for the first time publicly. And so he starts to do his, his conference and then you hear a phone call. He's like, oh, one second. And he puts his hand out in front of him. And then you see his wife gets projected onto his hand on the on the like on the surface with a with a you know accept call and end call button and then he hits he hits accept and then he puts his hand away and he's just talking out loud and she's there like well at least like the audio version and then yeah but yeah so they're they're talking about using this tool to help you imagine if it's on all the time and it has really secure data it can recap things that happen to you throughout the day well so you like you know, earlier today, have this, I, I met Paige, you know, it's like, oh, you, you had a, you had a podcast with Paige Biskin. It was at this time. And what, what do we talk about? Oh, we talked about AI and AR. It, 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 that's what they try to position it as. So I wanted to get your reaction to a technology like this. Like, what do you think of that kind of blending of realities with hardware and software? Is that interesting or yeah. What, what are your thoughts? It sounds really cool. I feel like I saw maybe you post about this because I definitely saw something with a hand and like a screen on it. Yeah, projected on it. And I thought that was really cool because it seems like we're moving into like a world with like less hard, like physical hardware that we're walking around with, say like a phone or something that's in our hand. It's kind of heavy and bulky. And like to be able to just use your hand as like that phone and be able to like view it on there and tap and then put it away and you're like, you know, device free. It seems like really cool. Yeah, the technology there seems to be pretty amazing. Okay, sweet. I was curious, like, yeah, like, what you develop for it? Because I like this projected technique because then kind of it can turn different surfaces in the world into, you know, augmentations without the glasses. He had a really bold statement, which I, you know, I don't know if it's going to last well in history. Hopefully it does. I don't know. But he said, the future isn't on your face. It's like what the, it's like what he opened up with. But I, I know it's like in, I know that's like kind of like in direct con conflict with the views of like AR and VR being things that you wear with the glasses, headsets, goggles, or even, you know, lenses like contact lenses, like the company Mojo was trying yeah. to, they're skipping, you know, frames. They're saying, oh, let's just put the computation right on the, right on the, you know, it's like a contact lens. Wow. That's so crazy. Yeah. But yeah, I just was wanting to get your hot take on those technologies to those. Are you excited for these things? Would they, would you use these things? Would you pre-order them or would you wait for other people to try it out first and then you get it later? Like what's your thoughts? 
I would definitely be excited to try it like as soon as possible. <laughs> it seems really cool. Like it'd be so cool to try it like that projector style. And I just didn't even know that it's possible to have like a projector, but be able to like interact with it and touch and like, you know, to be able to have that like without having to wear something on your head would I feel like be like the most ideal experience. But so it'd be really interesting to see what that's like. Like imagine having like a virtual pet cat or a virtual pet dog. And it's like you could project it to sitting next to you. And like that projection is somehow able to like, use like LIDAR and know where a surface is and be able to be on that surface. And then you could pet it and have it interact with it. Like that would be an amazing thing to be able to just see right next to you while you're in your room or project your friends like that you're having a phone call with on like something that's in your office or just like like, onto your hand like that. Like it just seems so cool. Like if I had the chance to get that, I definitely would. And same with the contacts. Like it'd be really cool to just have that like just a comfortable experience of just popping in a contact and being able to have the AR experiences right there. Be very cool. Peter's can ask, have you used spectacles by Snapchat yet? I have, I haven't made anything for you, but I did try it and it was really cool. Okay. Cause they have a, a dog, a fetching dog experience that uses world AMR. And I think you would get more value out of it than most just to experience it, just to see that they've done it. You can, and they made it so you can throw the bone by long pressing on your temple of your glasses and then you change the position of your head and you see an arc of how far the bone's going to get tossed then well, release, the bone tosses and then you look down and you see the little dog run go fetch and come back to you with the bone that you threw and so you have this virtual dog that can play interactive fetch it has sound design and they got that whole experience to be like under three megabytes or something ridiculous. Crazy. Yeah. So it's if you have spectacles, I don't know what it's called, but you have that. It's like it's a it's a it's one of the demo ones that you can try. And you oh my god, cool. Virtual dog. And then you can record a video while you're doing it, and it keeps all the proper occlusion and everything. Wow, I have got to try that. That's so cool. Wow. Amazing. It's so cool to have that interaction like that, be able to throw the bone and see the little dog running to it. Yeah. Yeah. Amazing. <laughs> so cute. <laughs> so I wanted to kind of jump to the last bit here and, and, and ask about some personal projects. So I was going to ask Paige, uh, what's next for you? Is there any upcoming projects or collaborations or explorations in either AR or AI that you're particularly excited about? Right now, I'm just doing more learning. I'm spending like a lot of time learning, like just going deep into like 3D modeling and playing more ZBrush and sculpting. So like right now, I'm just kind of like in like a learning phase. I'm definitely planning to create some world experiences. I want to create more interactive world experiences, like like we're talking about virtual pets and stuff. I've been working on like a experience with like a virtual pet robot dog, like just based off of like an Ibo, which is like that robot dog from like, you know, like it started out, I think, in like the early 2000s. I used to have one and now they have like really amazing new models. So I wanted to make like a virtual version of that. And like, it's pretty simple just having like certain commands, like, you know, have it like sit or stay. And I'm trying to make more like game-like experiences for the world space. So that kind of stuff is what I've been like trying to like learn more about now. So definitely, yeah, be on the lookout for that kind of experiences coming for me. <laughs> I'm looking forward to it. So yeah, some more of your ZBrush work, more of your learning, and then more interactive experiences in, in world space AR. I think that'll be very exciting. And also, did you have you been using Fireflies.ai? No, what is that? This is one of those things that you'll be like, oh my God, how did you have meetings before? It's wow. a note taker. It takes names. Oh my God, that's amazing. And then it summarizes the meeting. In a brief paragraph. That's so good. Oh my God. That is insane. These are like dream technologies. I can't believe this is here right now. Like how is this here now? Like I remember just like a few years ago, like just being hyped to be able to use something to maybe just transcribe, but to be able to have like AI actually like be real AI and like it's really taking notes that are like well laid out notes. And then like being able to also transcribe and then be able to also like now summarize. That's insane. I swear it's not sponsored. Like I love being an independent freelancer because you can just like use any new tool and just if it works for your workflow, you got it. And if it doesn't, you just disregard it. But this one, it not only just works in Google Hangouts like this, it it works with any audio file. So when I don't have a, yeah. 
So I literally use my voice memo app that you have on your iPhone in, a, yeah. in an in-person meeting. And I say, is it all right if I take some notes? I just hit record with the microphone, voice memo app. Then I go home, upload the MP4 or the M4A into Fireflies, and then it breaks it all down. It does the whole annotations again, and it describes the meeting. And I left out some other details. Not only does it do that, it also, and I kid you not, I'm, I'm, look, I'm looking at it on my other screen right now, it comes up with what questions were asked, what tasks were discussed, and how many times did each person speak, how many speakers were there, and what was their sentiment? Whether Were they neutral? Were they positive? Was it negative? It gives you all of this from just an audio. Yeah. So, so while you were using the note ticker for this, like, does it show you now, like, what are, like, uh, it's right now showing the questions that you asked and, like, how many times each of us spoke and stuff like that? So this tool is not in real time. So as soon as our meeting ends, I'll hit pause. I'll wait two minutes and all that will come. I'll share, I'll share the file with you. I would love for you to see what it picked up on. I'll screenshot the thing where it shows what sentiments it thinks we had and when it thought we spoke. But my favorite part is when it does the AI meeting summary. And it's just like, oh, my God. And then, and then what I've been doing for consulting clients to make it useful is at the end of our meeting, I just copy the summary. And, yeah. and I either paste that into an email to them or in our next calendar event, I add that as the description. So then when I come up a week later or two weeks, our next meeting is I look at the summary. I'm like, oh, got it. Okay, that's where we were. Okay, I'm, I'm back on the project. So this what? is an unbelievably useful it has two creepy things to look out for if you do decide to use it. One of its default settings is yeah, and I turned it off after having a negative experience with that. Well, what was it? It auto joins meetings even if you're not there. Oh, like based off your calendar, like if it sees that there's a meeting you got invited to, it'll go and join that meeting. Yeah, <laughs> it's kind of creepy. Yeah. It is very creepy because then people will be like, "Don, is that you?" And then it's just silence and just this fireflies.ai note taker for Don. And it's like, but Don's not here. Who is this? Mind the meeting. Oh, it's Don's AI. On the meeting. So Don's not actually here. I just thought that part was a little creepy. So I changed yeah. where it does not auto. It only auto joins meetings that I've created now, but that's not yeah. the default setting. So if you get it, it's going to join any meeting. And you're like, wait, wait, no, 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 no. Stay out. This one's kind of, and then you can yeah. you can pause it at any time. So if I kicked in, if I kicked Firefly Note Taker out right now, it doesn't hear this. It's it's oh, conversation. And then the other, so like, because I know similar to you, we have meetings with confidential people. So in that in those instances, I kick them off and say, Firefly, thank you so much, but no, no, shoot, shoot, you can't be here for now. And. <laughs> <laughs> um, and the last thing that I think you'll like about it is an hour before a meeting, it emails the people that you're going to be meeting, explaining that it's going to be in the meeting. I did notice that I got something like that, I think. What is it? What is it? Yeah, uh, let me see. What did it say? I'm going to go back and look. I, I could have sworn I saw something from something about a meeting with you that I got. Yeah, Fred from Fireflies. Hey, hi there, Don. It has your email. Invited me to record your meeting with Paige and Don. We think we had one for note-taking purposes. I'm an AI assistant, Fred from Fireflies at AI. I help teams record and transcribe meetings. And so yeah, then it's just like click here to get the to get the recording saved to your workspace from Fred at Fireflies. Wow. Okay, sweet. So good. My, my Firefly has gotten consent from you, hopefully. And then <laughs> notes. And then they I've read their data privacy practices. They seem pretty good. I mean, I know it's like, it is risky, you know, no matter what, but it felt safe and their UI made me feel safe, which yeah, it's, it's very clean and, and predictable what, what click is going to go to where, but I'll send you the screenshot of the, of the meet of our podcast episode here. And I think, well, I want to see, I like that, that transcribing. That's amazing. Like, and doing like note taking and like so much more than actually transcribing, like being able to do all these different things with your meeting is like, it's insane to hear that because like, you know, so much gets said during like meetings and I'm sure podcasts and stuff. And it's like, it just, once, if you weren't recording anything like notes wise and stuff, it's like, once it's done, it's like, oh, well, you probably have to watch back in the beginning and then take notes. But to be able to have this assistant doing this, is just an amazing thing. And like having it like take 
note of things like sentiment and then like how many times that speaking was done, like, and just like having it right, like the questions that were asked, like just to structure all that information. So cool. I'll read out loud for you the one it said for my last podcast when I just did like a rant, not a rant, wrong word. Well, I just did like a live take about threat. <laughs> not our rant. I love threat. Sorry. <laughs> totally wrong word there. I just, just slipped it up. It says, Don Allen discusses the new social media app called Threads it, and its potential impact on the platform like Twitter. He shares strategies for doing it, for growing your account on Threads, including the $1.80 strategy of leaving comments on other threads. That also highlights some controversial changes happening to Twitter since the Elon Musk part. It, like, these are, that's a summary from here. I didn't type any of that. It sounds so clean and so good. And then you could take that and then run it through GPT-4 and do more stuff with that same transcript. Like, yeah, and turn it into a newsletter, like for like your subscribers and stuff. And like like every week, like you have a podcast, you could like, you know, send the notes from like the podcast and then a link to listen to it and stuff or have it on like the website or something like along with like the one you can listen. Because some people like read the notes version or some people like to be able to like absorb information all different ways, like watching a video of it or hearing the audio or just reading it like so. Yeah, that's really cool. Yeah. Are you, are you ever doing any long-form content? Is that something you're interested in? Yeah, definitely. I've been working on a course with Snapchat, actually, like for like a beginner course, just to get people started and doing like the basics of things like makeup and characters and make and all that kind of stuff. And just kind of like working through like maybe fashion and all that, like all the basics. And so with that, I've been like looking for like different tools for doing like transcribing and taking notes and Right now, I've just been like trying out all different transcribers just to take it and just turn it into bare bones like copy. And then I take it and I put it into ChatGPT and I have it like summarize it with like and then write bullet points like step by step instructions so that I have to go back and do that. Like I've always wanted to make a course, but the idea of that whole part where you have to like take the video and turn it into like a written version was always like turned me off to the process because it's so much writing work that I just was like, ah, I can't do it. But now having like this, it's it's amazing. Yeah, I'll probably check out this tool, though, because this seems like a really good one. Yeah, and I'm guessing probably this time next few months, Google's going to add their own. I'm almost positive to their Gmail suite. They're like, oh, don't use Firefly. We have it built in. You just pay this extra fee or I, I guarantee that's coming because like there's no yeah. this is too useful for meetings to not have. I think that's our hour. So Paige Piskin, everybody. What a delightful guest. Thank you so much for taking the time to be on the Rethink Reality podcast. And I'll get this edited and get this out to the public as soon as possible. Yay. Thank you so much, Don. It was awesome. All right. Thank you, Paige. Have a wonderful day. And I'll talk to you soon. You too. Have a good one. Bye. All right. Bye-bye. Well,